welcome to K&K Wrestle Factory. My name is Kyle Watt and I will be one of your co-hosts on this magical journey. As always, I'm joined by our incomparable host, Keely Lafferty. Hey. And back again from the pilot, ladies and gentlemen, it's Mark Leslie. Oh, how are they letting us have another episode? (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know, to be honest. I'm slightly concerned, to be honest. Um, How is everyone? Everyone okay? Been up to much since then? (laughs) Well, that's a question. I'm alright, I suppose. (laughs) Perfect. So, essentially today what what we are going to do is we've got a couple of topics that we kind of want to discuss, and then we are going to go to our wheel of conversation, a brand new feature um, that we have just filled a wheel of absolute nonsense and we'll have a conversation with for however long we decide and, you know, how long it takes us to get bored of it. This is going to go so wrong. (laughs) So, first thing we want to discuss, um, Lacey Von Eric. (laughs) (laughs) So I take it we've all seen the videos of uh, of Lacey Von Eric at WrestleCon this year. Hey, how are you? My dad invented wrestling. <laughs> He's dead. My family, they're dead. Everyone is dead. <laughs> what was the problem? <laughs> so for anyone who doesn't know... She's got many problems. <laughs> she does. So for anyone who doesn't know... Um, Lacey Von Eric is the daughter of Kerry Von Eric, if I'm right in saying. Yeah. I believe so. So she has been around for quite a while. She wrestled in TNA mainly. Um, she was on. She was signed to WWE, wasn't she? Is a on developmental. I think she was in developmental at one point. Yeah. So she's been around the block to be honest. She was TNA Tag Champions um, with as part of the Beautiful People, wasn't she? The women's tag titles. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Um, so yeah, so she's been around um, and she decided to go to WrestleCon this year and uh, I'm quite happy she did to be honest because uh, it was quite entertaining there's a thread of videos on Twitter which are absolutely astounding where she just goes around and talks to anyone and everyone um, my f- personal favourite, I don't know about you guys was um, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat Yes. Who she had no idea who this was. And one called him Ricky the Cleveland Steamer. (laughs) Better name, to be fair. She then went on to explain for about five minutes to him what a Cleveland Steamer is. Quite fitting for who he is. (laughs) And then asked him if he had any Von Erich stories. And I don't really think he's ever worked with the Von Erichs. I don't think they ever really... Cross paths, or mm, I don't think so. No, so I don't think they ever really worked in the same places. So obviously, he has no real recollection of them. But um, he was trying to be polite and try not to make the poor girl cry, who just instead decided to insult everyone. Yeah. So he turns around and he's trying to be nice, try to think of a story, and she went, "Oh, did you just wrestle in Japan?" <laughs> Tricky the Dragon Steamboat. He's one of the most famous wrestlers in WWE history. And she's like, just wrestled in Japan, did you? Okay, that makes sense. Um, there were some other ones. My pers- One of my personal favourites as well was Ted DiBiase. Mm-hmm. Um, he was wearing a WWE polo shirt at the time. And she came up and went, I don't know if she knew who he was, but she went, oh, my family helped build your company. Isn't that great? And he went, oh, yeah, that is great. And she went, and now they're dead. And then walked away. <laughs> so I mean, uh, There's no real lies told. I mean, yeah, it's the truth. It's just very uncomfortable. Um, the, there was quite a lot of, of, story, of stories with her. Um, her and Brooke Hogan seemed to be friends at this uh, at yeah, WrestleCon. Yeah, very strange. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was quite interesting. And I think I would definitely like to have... Lacey on the podcast at some point. What about you guys? Oh, 100%. I'd pay good money to see her on this podcast. Yeah, that's an open invitation, Lacey. If you are listening to this podcast, 
then please get in touch. We'd love to have you on. Moving on from Lacey Von Eric. And I mean, it's quite fitting, to be honest, because she was on one episode, or her family were featured on one episode. Have you guys been keeping up with Dark Side of the Ring? I have. So, there's been three episodes so far in season three. Yeah. First one was, was the Brian Pillman episode. What, what were your thoughts oh, on that? That man. I really fancy that man. Obviously not anymore. <laughs> but I did fancy him. Um, and I mean, I think really he's got a son. Well, now I fancy his son, so it runs in the family. Wh- um, which one, Mark? Oh. Um, <laughs> I can't remember her name, but the hot one. Not beyond. No, but on a serious, I had no idea what his life was like. Like, I didn't know loads about him. I knew a little bit about him, but I had no idea the extent of like the the big car crash and how that really affected him. And I had no idea. Just so it wasn't that long ago I started rewatching Raw again from about that time, um, and I had absolutely no idea like how much pain he was in and stuff during that time period. It was mental. Like I had no idea. What were you? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was quite sad, but I feel like the, the episode itself felt a bit weird. Like, it it, it kind of didn't really have like an end. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like most of them have like this sort of build to like an end or some sort of big thing at the end. That one was kind of like, they explained obviously his death and all the impact afterwards, but it kind of just fizzled out a wee bit. Yeah. yeah. But no, I, I thought it was quite good. I don't think it needed the two hours, personally. Um, yeah. But no, I thought it was it was really interesting just to kind of see all the, the sort of stuff that was going on in his life. Not a massive fan of uh, of his ex-wife or his widow. He looks like a crack addict. Yeah. I think my favourite part of the episode was Eric Bischoff try to be like, well, I knew he might not come back to WCW, but, you know, like, it was all part of the plan anyway. Like, yeah. That was the biggest you bunch of bullshit. let a guy go and try to cover it, like... Yeah, that was the biggest load of bullshit ever from Bischoff, because everyone else is telling the story as it actually happened, and he's going, no, I was in on it, I knew what was happening. Uh, 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 what do you mean? You knew what was happening, you let him go to WBF. Well, me and Kyle were kind of talking about it and we were saying that the whole thing where he said he was kind of leaving and going away, it was kind of like what um, Dean Ambrose or John Moxley done lately. He said he was going to go away for a while and just do his own thing, but then end up turning up in AEW. So it's quite similar to an extent. So you try to say Vince McMahon or let John Moxley go, <laughs> knowing he'd go to AEW, so he can just like destroy them from the inside. Well, no, it's working. But, but you know how he said he was going to leave, he wasn't going to join anyone else, so he got like this big send-off, and it was quite like... No one really gets that, considering when he left, he got like a pay-per-view, which was just a house show, about his last ever show, as if they had enough respect he wasn't going to do that, and then he just turned up in AEW, and basically just stuck the middle finger up to Vince. In my head now, John Moxley's just like backstage at AEW, like messing things up. <laughs> like the explosion for the barbed wire, he like made that not go off. He like made the crash pads look terrible when Jericho came off like cage. Like he saw a big plan. So what you're actually saying is he's just messing with Jericho. He's just got a personal yeah. vendetta against Jericho. I like to imagine Why that's not? how it works. Like that's actually what's happening here. Yeah. Like every time I watch AEW now and something goes wrong. I'm just going to be thinking about Moxley just <laughs> backstage, like uh, the Roadrunner. <laughs> or not the Roadrunner, the other one. What was that? Wiley Coyote. Wiley Coyote. It's like so, the sort of thing you'd book on Total Extreme Wrestling, isn't it? So that was, we were talking about episode one. Episode two seems to be right up your street, Mark, with Oh, my favourite. Again, Nick Gage. MDK, all day. I knew quite a lot about his story, but I didn't know the extent of what it was with him. And then the scene, especially where he's backstage at Tournament of Death, bleeding out, and he's like, oh, I just want to go back out. No. Um, yeah. That was, like, I psychotic. Watched, I watched the interview with um, Chris Van Vliet afterwards, they put out, and he was talking about that scene. 
and he was talking about how he was like tip calling like the woman like a bitch because he wouldn't let him go out yeah. and then he's saying on this interview how he feels so bad that he called this poor woman a bitch on camera he's a real nice guy really yeah he, he is um i think the, the funniest part of that right is that he's bargaining with them so he's like right can i go out and finish the match and they're like no he's like can I go out and do one move? And they're like, no. And he's like, can I go out and then you pull me back out and I'm pretending that I want to go out, but you pull me back. No, you're dying. We need to get you. <laughs> just no. Even well, like minutes before he dies, he still wants to just go and entertain the fans. I also think the funniest part, which is something I thought, but then it actually got mentioned on the TV show, was when he wrestles, he has the full bandana to the head, bandana all the way over his face. No one can see him. Yet when he wants to rob a bank, he just uh, just shows his whole face and then looks at the camera. Sorry. See, see to be fair, he kind of explained that on that interview with, with um, Van Vliet. He was just like, I knew I was going to get caught. Like, I didn't really care. <laughs> but come on, still. You think there'd be a bit of common sense, but still, even if you knew you were going to get caught, you'd still take some precautions. Not that I'm saying it's okay to rob banks or anything, but if you're going to do it, do it right. I mean, he didn't even get that much money, did he? He only got like a few hundred pounds or a few hundred dollars. Is that it? Yeah. My main question from that is, um, when Brett Lauderdale found out that he robbed his bank, and he knew, and he knew where he was, but he still did not contact the police or anything, does that not make him, what is the word, an accessory, accessory yes, to a crime that was committed? Yeah. But he's no grass, so we have to respect him. <laughs> I did like the fact that Brett Lauderdale just kept trying to book a big return show for Nick Gage, and he just kept going back to jail. <laughs> it's just like, so we're doing this big show for you, it's all about you, blah, blah. Oh, great, you're back in jail. Right, okay. I do. There was one part of that where Brett's like, do you know the story of why I went back? And they're like, oh, he had someone else's piss. And then he was like, yeah, that's part of it. I want to know the rest of it. Well, he, he suggested there was some sort of like machinery involved. So I am imagining that Nick Gage had a mechanical dick. <laughs> because with drug tests, they like watch you piss. Yeah, they have to watch you. So I've got a feeling that he had like this fake dick on with like a tube to like a carton of piss. If he went through all that hassle and I was drug testing him, I'd just let him go for the, the effort he went to. Personally. Yeah, he's such a good guy. Um, unless your name is David Arquette, I guess. Well, they, they, he seemed quite angry. But he did flinch, so it is his own fault. Yeah. Yeah, like, David Arquette cut his own neck, yeah. really. I understand why though, because Nick Gage was just cutting him without his, his like consent. Yeah, it, when he brought out the pizza cutter, that's when I'd been like, "Too far, big man! Like we're going to cut that right here." Well, it's I do bit... love that Nick Gage has just got a mattress from David Arquette like sitting in his garage now that he's not even opened. It's it's the bit where Nick Gage is wrestling Moxley like early on. And Mox is like, oh yeah, he just pulls out a pizza cutter and starts shoot cutting my head and he cuts my mouth. I was like, and you're still friends with him? Moxley was so excited in that episode just like talking about Nick Gage. Yeah. yeah. I, did, I did love the fact that Jim Cornette refused to watch it. That is my favourite part. It's like, um, it won't, I think it was after the P Pillman episode, he went, um, oh no, after the episode, they mentioned it, and he went, oh, I'm not watching that. And then last week, he was like, yeah, so uh, Dark Side of the Ring is back next week with the Collision in uh, Korea uh, episode. And then Brian's like, it was on last week uh, with um, Nick Gage. He's just like, nope, <laughs> I don't agree with that. He's not a professional wrestler. So. I love how wound up Jim Cornette gets that he calls Nick Gage a bank-addicted drug robber. Yeah. <laughs> Motherfucker, you bank-addicted drug robber. Double cheeseburger. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a weird one. Well, speaking of the, the Collision in Korea episode, we just watched that 
Um, yesterday, Mark, have you had a chance to watch that yet? I have. I watched it the other day. It's it's actually mental. It is. It's mental. Like there, there's so much of that that I didn't know. Like I, I think it's one of those stories that you kind of hear people talk about. Like the bit I definitely didn't know about was um, Two Cold Scorpio try to kill Hawk. Yeah. See, I don't believe Road Warrior Hawk is the kind of guy that's just going to let you punch him in the head a bunch of times. Like, yeah, I feel that story is very much exaggerated because Hawk's not here around to, like, give his side of the story. I do love the the story of uh, Scorpio in the hotel room with metal chopsticks just <laughs> grinding them against the concrete window ledge no, to make a Can we speak about how the voice of reason during this was Chris Benoit? <laughs> Let's yeah. just let that settle in for a minute. Yeah, when Chris Benoit is telling you that murder isn't the correct step, you know, you know you've messed up. <laughs> wrong. So ben was just like a spooky murderer, so not a stabby murderer. True. I mean, at least we know now. No, that... because no. Did you not watch the interview about him? I don't really want to talk about <laughs> it because it's a bit sick, but they found a knife at this situation as well. They just choked them. He stabbed them too. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. There was, a bloody, there was a bloody knife under his son's bed. No, there was a knife under his son's bed. Bloody no, knife. No, there was just a knife under the bed. That's a weird horror story to give your son at night. Bedtime story. Okay. I love how but... you just called it the situation as well. <laughs> well, like the guy from Jersey Shore. <laughs> <laughs> but at least we know now from that episode that in Chris Benoit's world, murdering Hawk, not okay. Murdering child and wife, okay. Yeah. So. Also, again, they were okay. His pets, too far. At least he was an animal <laughs> lover. <laughs> <laughs> do you think the dogs were inside to see it, or do you think he let them out first? Ah, you'd, any decent man would at least take them a walk first now, wouldn't they? You wouldn't let them sit indoors all day, poor, poor dogs. Also, like, what was he planning? Like, was he just expecting Chavo to go and let the dogs out and not question anything else? Yeah, that's a good point. No, it wasn't Chavo. It was yeah, his neighbour. No, it was Chavo he messaged. He texts Chavo he going, the Chavo. dogs are on the back. Oh, yeah. Have I ever showed you, like, the video, like, the cartoon of him, like, killing his family and then he's talking to Clifford <laughs> the Big Red Dog? No. I don't, know <laughs> I don't I think we should talk about that. this anymore. I think we need to put a pin on it. And move on from murderers now. I, I think we should I mean, go something. the funniest part of the video is him texting Chavo, be like, hey Chavo, just killed my family, LOL. <laughs> oh, so, God. again, I'm going to take the decision and move off this topic and instead talk about another dead wrestler, uh, New Jack. When did you find oh. out about New Jack, Diane? Because I woke Kyle up one morning um, by going, hey... New Jack's dead, and that, that was basically it. It's definitely a strange way to wake up. Well. Yeah, um, I seen it on Twitter, whatever night it was, and I was like watching like another show, and like I was just like live tweeting that, and then this popped up that New Jack had died, and I just like watched him wrestle like a month ago, less than a month ago. Yeah. Is... I just got signed 8 by 10 from him from that show. I thought it was fake when I first saw it. You know how you get those hoaxes all the time, like New Jack's dead. And then there was someone not that long ago where you went on it and it was like someone did like a death match and they were like, oh, you know, when people tweet, oh, they'd look like they've just died. So I clicked on it thinking, oh, he's always just done a mental match, but no, he was actually actually gone. Yeah. It's quite a sad one, to be honest. Like, I feel like he'd finally kind of calmed down and got his life on track and it happens, which is, you know... Kind of calm down as New Jack can be. Yeah. Because yeah. um, Cornette was talking about it on, on his podcast the other week. Um, it was talking about how he had texted Stacey recently saying that, you know, he's got a wife, he's got kids, he's all good. And then this happens. Not when he was throwing people off, you know, yeah. scaffolding and stabbing people and all that. But. Better sweet, but right. at least he kind of got his life. With there is video evidence of him admitting he tried to murder a man. Yet, you know, no crime committed there. Yeah, but don't you remember, in wrestling, crimes aren't real. 
they're not reported. Unless they need to be reported, in which pretend police show up. Yeah, so if you try and stab someone in the ring and it's on video to millions of people, that's okay. If, on the other hand, your boss doesn't want you in the arena, then the police come with a riot van and take you. That's wrestling logic. Do you not remember this part, Mark? So technically, in wrestling world, he stabbed him, but it's fine. I mean... It's okay. I mean, if you remember, John Cena was stabbed in a nightclub. And instead of instead of going to the appropriate channels, they just had a match. Of course. So... And again, you can settle a lot of things with a match. Like, is that my son? I'll put Dominic on a ladder. That's how you do it. See, I'm I'm glad you said ladder there and not pole, because I feel like that's normally what you say. Um, Dominic on a pole match. Also, would be really Dominic funny. wasn't on the ladder. He should have been. They didn't put Dominic up on the ladder. You know that little thing from his legs. You know that little thing that they, the little bit of metal that they hang the two belts off of, or the belt off of when you're like doing an event. I would love that that was attached to his belt buckle, and Dominic was actually like a pinata, and they had to like fight for him pinata style. Right. That's very Kyle, Mexican as well. Kyle, you're pretty good at the Photoshop, right? Do you need to take <laughs> that mask, right? <laughs> then take um, when um, Undertaker hung Big Boss Man from the Hell in a Cell, but put Dominic <laughs> as the Big Boss Man. I was more then thinking... Then you've got like, a perfect image. I was yeah. more thinking, you know, the image from the cat in the hat and the cat in the hat is the piñata. Like, that is Dominic. Yes. And on that topic, actually, of of um, the cat in the hat, I would just like to to make a point of the wrestling promotion that I think would be superb. It's off the back of something that um, Ian Skinner mentioned on the Scottish Wrestling Network podcast, um, where he spoke about Austin Powers Pro Wrestling, where main event you had Austin Powers versus um, Dr. Evil, then you had um, Fat Bastard versus Minnie Me. Uh, the Fembots versus Fembots, and it goes on. I have thought of Cat in the Hat Pro Wrestling. And there's there's many different ways you could go about this. So you could have main event, the cat versus Larry, um, who is also um Alec Baldwin. Highly so, allergic to cat, so yep. perfect. Mortal he's automatic heel. Yes. He's very dislikable. Dislikable? Is that a word? Disliked. He's, no, because that means he, people actively dislike him. This means he is able to be disliked. Is there a word for that? I don't care. What's we'll just go with dislikable. He's dislikable. Um, yeah, he's just a horrible man all around. Perfect heel. Cat in a hat. Red hot baby face. Yes. But what version of the cat in the hat? The classic cat in the hat? Classic cat in the hat. Because then you've also got the trailer park cat in the hat. Yep. You've got the one that has a big pen, like double-handed pen. Hippie cat in the hat. Hippie cat in the hat. You've also got um, your one that has the maracas. The woman cat in the hat. Yeah. You've then got the TV show, the TV show cat in the hat. You've got the chef cat in the well, hat who has the well, knife. A whole Survivor Series team of cat in the hat. There is. So there's 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 a lot of roads you can go down with Cat in the Hat. He's like the, he's like Mick Foley, you know yes. the, the five faces of Cat. Like that, I would I'd tune in to see that. Then you know you've got to fill out the undercard. So I'm I've got Conrad versus Sally. Hundred percent. It's a match made in heaven. You know they are adversaries the whole movie. They just get on each other's nerves. Everyone is going to pay good money to see Conrad get his arse kicked. So. Now, who I want to see win, Mrs. Quam. Well, Mrs. Quam is definitely going to be involved in, in some form. So She could take on the fish. Or we just say thing one and thing two, handicap match. Yes, I think that's that's the way I would like to go with it. Is it's thing one and thing two versus Mrs. Quam um in a, a handicap match. Um yeah, definitely. Uh, would be, be quite an interesting one. Then I feel like Mr. Humberfloob has to be involved in some way. It gets the mum. Mr. Humberfloob versus, um, is it Jean? Jean her name, isn't it? Jan, Jean. Well, she's dead, so it'll be hard for her to be there, but... The character never dies, thank you very much. (laughs) 
So I think, yeah, that makes sense, uh, Mr. Humberfoot. He's scared of germs, so you would just chase him around with something dirty. Big uh, dirty fingers. Um, yeah, I mean, there's probably... Well, definitely. I mean, a lot of dirty dogs in wrestling. There, there's probably more that I could go with, um, but I think that that's really it for just now um, in the, the cat and hat wrestling. Um, but if you are you know interested in booking that, if you are, I don't know, a millionaire um, like Mike Tony Myers. Khan, Big wrestling fan? Mike Myers, that's a wrestling fan. I will give him a call. I will find wrestlers to play these characters as well. Also, not just the cat in the hat wrestling, you could also branch that out to have a Mike Myers wrestling promotion. That includes With Austin Powers. Austin Powers. Then you've also got Wayne's World. Oh, yes. More. The Shrew- Love Guru. Shrek. Shrek Pro Wrestling would be good, let's be honest. Yeah. Um... But yeah, before everyone steals our ideas about um, Shrek Pro Wrestling and Cat in the Hat Pro Wrestling, do you think it's time for the wheel? Only if people are still listening at this point. Of course they're listening. They're enthralled by our, I don't know, nonsense. Just, what could go wrong? Right, so, as I said earlier, we are going to our wheel of chat. Various topics. I thought you called it earlier. They, you know, can they range from theme songs to tag teams to moves to wrestlers you could fight, um, for example. So we're going to have a few clicks at this, see where the discussion takes us, and go from there. So Also, if anyone wants to add to this wheel, because we don't have a lot of good ones on here, so feel free to add to this. Yeah, hit us up on Twitter, uh, KKWrestlePod. And uh, let us know what you want to hear. That was a good plug, Kayla. I like that. Now let's spin the wheel. What are we going to you get? Like edit like in some like music for this like this. Oh. <laughs> oh, this is a good one. We are getting awkward encounters. Where do I start? <laughs> so, who wants to go first? Well, mine isn't like overly... Well, I've had a lot of awkward ones, but the one that comes to mind isn't overly awkward. It's just a bit weird. Um, So when I met Lita, which has been my lifelong dream forever, um, I was wearing like a purple Lita top. Everyone will know what I'm talking about. So I'm like three versions of her face on it, like the most classic top she released. So anyway, I was waiting in the queue. I was sitting there. I was like shaking. I just... Uncontrollable emotions. Got there and the whole time I'm thinking, what will I say to her? What will I do? How do I break attention? And the first thing she goes is, Oh, I like your top. Who's that? And I just went, uh, and she went, Lol, it's me. She used the word lol and looked <laughs> me in the eye, and I just went, What? Um, that was kind of awkward. But you, I don't know if someone wants to go next. Um, I mean, I've met a lot of wrestlers. Um... <sighs> I don't know how awkward they really are. I mean, the my, the one that keeps me awake at night is my interaction with Bully Ray, um, otherwise known as Bubba Ray Dudley. Um, I did mention this on um, the SWM podcast um, the other day. But when I met him at Fear and Loathing, I want to say it was 2015, no, 2016, um, I went to shake his hand at the meet and greet <laughs> and he went for a fist bump and we met in the middle in what can only be described as a cabbage <laughs> and I wanted to die inside well um, that is awkward so that that was a good one um, one time I met um, Scotty Too Hotty okay at WrestleZone and I don't know why I wanted to have something to say to him Right, I didn't know what, and the only thing I could think of was that I had just watched King of the Ring. I think it was nineteen ninety nine, where it was a fatal four way with them and a bunch of other tag teams, and I was like, "Oh, I remember your match at King of the Ring nineteen ninety nine with this and this and this." And he was like, uh, "Yeah, I, I guess." It was really awkward because clearly that's just a random match. There's nothing special about that match. Yeah. And then I started talking to him at the network and he's like, oh, can you get that over here? And I was like, oh, yeah, but 
you've got to use a VPN. Do you know what a VPN is? And then we got into this really weird conversation and he just, he was really nice about it, but I just felt really uncomfortable. That's weird. Um, I do love how times have changed and now the US are using a VPN to get a WWE network. That's very true. Um, me, me and Mark have a combined time um, where we went to the cat house after an ICW show just to meet wrestlers. Okay. There was no other... We just sort of floated around waiting until wrestlers came into the room. Yeah, like, uh, and that's why he's called Mark. <laughs> where they had to come in. These <laughs> um, are weird. We bumped into um, Doug Williams on the, on the stairs. On the stairs of the, the cat stairs house. stairs of cat house. <laughs> what, where everyone's like drunkenly walking up and down used to just yeah, standing there. We just there. stood there waiting for people to walk past. Um, it's had- like they've got to go up the stairs, so... So, we, yeah, we bumped into uh, Doug Williams and um, got photos with him. Uh, we met Jimmy Havoc as well. Um, and well, I, I can't remember, it was, I went to take the photo or something like that. Oh, yeah, I took the photo first and then it was shit. And he was like, oh, that was shit. And I was like, ah, okay, sorry. And then we took another photo. Um, and then the weirdest part of that interaction, right, was... It's Jimmy Havoc, right? He's kind of a, a big deal, or was back then, before, you know, the whole thing happened. Um, and I was really a bit nervous meeting him, right? And it's already awkward, it's in a nightclub, it's really weird. So I take the photo and he was like, oh, that was shit. And I was like, oh, huh. And I kind of like nudged him with my elbow as like a joke and like, huh, I've never done that to anyone in my life. I don't know why I did it to Jimmy Havoc. <laughs> but I thought he was going to punch me. I would have paid good money to see him punch you, to um, be quite honest. But yeah, that was... That was I can't, did we meet anyone else? Oh, Rockstar Spud we met. Yeah. Rockstar Spud we met oh, him. I've got some other weird ones. Um, when I met Billy Gunn, so I went all the way to Paisley to meet Billy Gunn. I really, really like him. And the first thing he did was ask me if I'm old enough to know who he is. And I went, yeah. Anyway, you don't look like someone that would ever like wrestling. I was like, well, well <laughs> thank you. Um, Why are you here? I'll take that as a compliment. And then... Um, did I ever tell you the weird thing that happened when I met um, Matt Hardy? No. So when I met Matt Hardy, um, I'd really damaged my ankle. So I was on crutches and stuff. So I already looked like an absolute goon. Um, I had crutches, bright red hair, like when I first met all yous. So when I go up to the stage, you had to like go up this big step to meet him. Couldn't get up it. So he carried me onto the stage, which first of all was amazing. Um, and then we're trying to have small talk. He was trying to talk to me, and he went, "Oh, I like your hair." So me being me, went, "Oh, it's um, it's based after your um ex girlfriend." And he went, "Who?" And I went, "Leah." Looked him in the eye. He looked back at me, and I just went, "Kill me, kill me now! Why, why have I done this?" <laughs> and I just went, "I'll just leave now." And he went, "No, no, it's fine. I'll um, he went, it's nice though. Um, I'll sing your thing." And then I wanted to die internally, but he had my crutches, so I couldn't leave. Um, so then he gave me them back then carried me off the stage again like a baby um, and then I had to leave and he watched me walk away I think he probably wants to throw me off that stage but yeah that was dead awkward I didn't tell Lita that I'd met Matt after that because I learned my lesson yeah that makes sense um, there is, there's one awkward story right which makes it even more awkward because I'd physically spoken to them before this, um, but Mark will remember this story. Um, the time that me and Mark were waiting on the mega bus going down to an ICW show, and um, our good friend Aspen Faith was also waiting for our mega bus. Um, but I believe at this point he'd actually like been waiting there for like two hours because the buses kept getting cancelled. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was clearly having a rough day, um, and I was stood probably about five feet away from him, if that. Bear in mind, yeah. right, me and Aspen had literally spoken online at this point, um, you know, had had a conversation or two. We both know who knew who each other was, but I just sort of stood there awkwardly, refusing to speak to him. Well, you are the most awkward person I've ever met in public, so that'd be why. Yeah, and it was just really uncomfortable, to be honest. And then we ended up getting on the bus, and he was sat behind us, and I didn't look around for the whole three hours. I didn't even notice he got off at one point. Yeah, but now you speak to him more, you know he probably been okay having a conversation with you. Yeah, but I, I'd still do the same thing now, probably. 
I'm just very uncomfortable with people. Oh, you're so weird. Mark, you must have some interesting stories about meeting wrestlers. I don't even know where to start. I mean, one that felt quite awkward, and I'm, I'm going to save the one you're thinking of to the end. <laughs> but um, so we'd always get the travel lodge when I went to ICW. Oh, oh no, there's so like, many bad stories here. Oh, there's many. This I don't. This probably isn't one you're thinking of though. But then the guy behind the desk one day asked us, "Oh, are you wrestlers?" And we were <laughs> like, "No, we're just fans." So um. Wait, you know, before you continue, for context, um, you both had long hair, top knots, wore wrestling t-shirts, came down with suitcases, and only ever wore joggies, so you dressed the exact same as the wrestlers that were there. Yeah, but I'm also fat and have no muscles, so (laughs) it kind of, like, takes away from the look. Mark, you were also at the hotel that ICW wrestlers stay at, so... Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. We come back after a show and I think I was like going to go out and then the guy behind the desk like grabs my arm and he was like, come with me. There's wrestlers around here. (laughs) And I'm like, oh no, this is terrifying. And he sort of just like pushes me around the corner where there's like the little chairs in the corner next to the bar. And he was like, look, a wrestler and then leaves. And I'm just standing there in front of Moose. And I've just got to be like, oh, hey, how's it going? <laughs> and we had like the most like awkward conversation. But then I ended up giving him directions to the garage so he could go on a night out. Wait, didn't you get stuck in the lift with a wrestler? Um, yeah, I got stuck in the lift with uh, Martina. Um, but it was her fault, right? So when you go into a lift, right, if you're trying to go like to the bottom of the building... What button do you press? Ground. Ground or zero, normally, right? She pressed one. For context, one in that travel lodge was currently being renovated and was a building site. So we hit. she hits one, and I, being me, right, I didn't say anything, right? I didn't then press zero, because she pressed the button for us, right? So I just sort of stood there next to her, going, okay. And then it got to the first floor. The door just kind of opened a wee bit, to a building site, it then closed, and then we pressed zero, and then it kind of like jolted, and then just didn't move, and then we kept pressing zero, and it just wouldn't move, door wouldn't open, and we were kind of stuck there, right? She starts freaking out, (laughs) and I'm just like, oh, this is uncomfortable. So I kicked the door. Like, you know how a mechanic kicks your tires just to kind of like, ah, yeah, that's fine. I kind of like to give the door a wee <laughs> tap for my foot just to be like, oh, is it? Oh, yeah, that that's not moving. And she's like, what do we do? And I was like, I, I, I don't know. I'm not a lift expert. Eventually the lift just moved after like five minutes anyway. But yeah, that could have been really uncomfortable because one, I would have been stuck in the lift with a wrestler. Two, she would have missed the show. And everyone would have been like, where is she? And I'd be like, oh, I was here. And three, you fancied the pants off. So that would have been awkward for you. Well, who doesn't fancy Martina? Let's be honest. Well, she did stick a finger in your mouth one time. Oh, that's a thing that happened as well. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just move on from that then. Yeah, that that's not great. Um, Mark's definitely got some good, some better stories as well. Talk about the tickling oh. story. I'm trying to think <laughs> if there's any other ones I can like give before well, that one. Okay. Well, there there is a few from the travel lodge. Like, it was really awkward. Like, first for context, we we stayed in the the same hotel that the, the wrestlers were always staying. Um and and but this was just accident because it was one of the closest and cheapest ones to um sort of the venues where they were running. So yeah, it was just very uncomfortable. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, I remember one night staying in that hotel, went downstairs and like not pajama pajamas, but you know you go down just in whatever you're wearing in the hotel, you go down to the vending machine to get something to eat. And then I turned around the corner and just saw like 10 wrestlers for the show just staring at me. It was like three in the morning, just staring at me. I was staring back like a deer in the headlights and I was like, I'm just going to leave now. It seemed a bit awkward. There was the time that Dave Mastiff asked me and Mark what time the show started Mm -hmm. and asked if that's enough time for him to go and have a nap. 
And we both kind of just went, we don't know. Like, how long does it take you to sleep? It's on you. I remember there was a time me and you, Kyle, went out with a vending machine. And, like, you were, like, facing the vending machine. And then someone said to me, oh, that's a shit T-shirt you're wearing. And then you just thought, if that's Bram, just run away. <laughs> and I end up just being Crystal Ridgeway, like, slagging off my Lewis Garvin T-shirt because they wrestled that night. Oh, yeah. Well, speaking of Lewis, I remember... No, the- speaking of Chris Ridgeway oh. in T-shirts, <laughs> he, still, he still owes our friends Shannon Dan two T-shirts. You'll cry about or it. Or their okay. money back. Or their money back. Yeah, it wasn't that in Sheffield where I went up to him and I was trying to confront him for Shannon and he just looked like the ground was going to swallow up and kill him. But um, no, I remember the first time... Well, for context, we've met Lewis how many times? Like, we're friends with Lewis, but still, every time you go to see him, you're like a kid at Christmas and you ask him to do wrestling moves on you. Yeah, it's fun. Like, what? what is that all about? Like, you're never normal when he's around you. Yeah. He's like your big brother. Yeah. How many wrestlers do you know? <laughs> I don't know if you want to know the answer to that, Kyle. <laughs> I think we should move on. Oh. Um, right, you need to tell the story now, Mark. Like, we've Whoa. built it up. Okay. So, over the years, um, Bram took a liking to me because I was <laughs> next to him one time. <laughs> This, this, starts, this sounds like the start of a dark side of the ring story. No. This is it the start of a fanfic. We <laughs> go further back than that. Um, I would nice him on Twitter one time, and then he came up to me after a show one time and was like, don't be nice to me on Twitter because you'll just get shit for it. And I was like, I'm going to be nice to him on Twitter. I want Bram to be my friend. Well, this is the thing. So I used to think Bram was an arsehole, but then when I actually sat down and spoke to him a good couple of times, I realised he's actually a nice guy. And I did say out there, I took back what I said about him because I thought he was a bad man, but he's not. And I'm the first to like hold a grudge. Um, but now he's actually really, really nice. Like, it got to like, the point. So like, one time I was leaving the travel lodge to like go out or something. And he like, I'm with like a bunch of people. And he comes, like, running up to me and, like, hugged me. And he's like, oh, Mark, you're such a good guy, blah, blah, blah. And all, everyone I'm with are like, what, what's going on? Like, why are you friends with Bram now? So, so I got <laughs> to, like, know him, like, a little bit. So then it's one of, like, the shows in Newcastle. And I'd been, like, sitting down at the bar with some people. There was, like, a few of the wrestlers there. He was one of them. I can't remember who else was there. There was like one of the bar guys was doing like magic tricks and stuff. It was like pretty cool. So it turns like three o'clock, the bar closes, and everyone wants to like keep drinking. So like one guy goes to like find drink. Then I end up in my room with Mark Dallas and Bram comes in. And I'm like at this point just wanting to go to sleep. But then Bram comes in the door and he's like, Mark. And then just goes on to tickle me. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, that's all I really remember. I mean, I do remember a little bit more, but that can't be talked about. Like, <laughs> yeah. Allegedly. That, that was one of the most um, awkward encounters with a wrestler. So I want some more details. Were you standing getting tickled? Were you lying in the bed and he was like on top of you tickling you? Was it like a straddle no, tickle? No. Like how it, was it? It, was, it wasn't that weird. We were both standing. <laughs> I was kind of like in the corner trying to get away. <laughs> as this like and he, he's like a big man. And like there's not really much places you can go to get away from this big man tickling you. Oh, so I mean, then we want to have a conversation about baby powder and how that's different from baby oil, the, which we didn't really know the point of the story, but he I said mean, it makes you feel good. I mean, my favourite part of that is always, like, as much as you say you were stood up, I always picture you on the bed in, like, the fetal position, and he's just going, ooh, goochie, goochie, and just tickling your belly. <laughs> 
to be fair, I think if you left, if you stayed there long enough, you probably would have. I just imagine Bram just like tickling you and then like blowing raspberries in your belly. <laughs> tickle, 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 tickle. <laughs> like a big baby. And then Mark just going, hey! <laughs> <laughs> oh. Another Bram story that like, it's not awkward, but I just remember him saying one time that he had this vitamin C drink in his bag. And he would always just refer to this as the vitamin C drink. And I've always just wanted to know what the vitamin C drink actually was. Was it just orange juice? Definitely was it something wasn't. Else? Moving on. Um... <laughs> well, we None of them ever like to put online. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've said it now, Mark. So Allegedly. Allegedly. So, shall we spin the wheel? Screw it, why not? We shall spin the wheel, right? Let's go. What are we going to get? We have got... Oh, Mark, this is going to be right up your street. We have Deathmatch Weapons. So, first off, what are our favourite Deathmatch Weapons? I'll go first. My personal favourite will always be a light tube. Oh, I do like that. I love a light tube. Mm-hmm. There's something about it when, oh, just when a wrestler just gets hit. And my, one of my favourite examples of this is the um, Texas Deathmatch Massacre, round one, Alex Cologne versus. Is it Jimmy Lloyd? Why are you saying that's Jimmy Lloyd? No, it was Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton. Wait, is this the one where the guy brought out the bike? Different match, same tournament. Um, we can get on to that, but there's a spot in that where one of them jumps off the top rope and another one just catches him with a fucking light tube and it just goes everywhere. Yeah. Oh, incredible. Is that the consensus then? Is that kind of our, well, our favourite? No. Okay. So my favourite, well, favourite, I'm not the like I'm not the biggest fan of death matches as you are. Personally, what I think looks really good, the kebab skewers to the head and it fans out. Yep. Like a thing. But again, this has been lucky, so I thought I looked really, really sore. Um, but then Lewis said it wasn't that bad. And then he did offer to show us um, at a party one time, and we um, kindly said no. But again, this was the same party where he also stapled his arm, took the staple out, and accidentally poured blood all over a white dog. Yeah, that, that happened. Yeah, Shannon wasn't happy. It was funny, but it was also so, no harm to dogs. So, so kebab skewers. Yeah. Anything else? You, you said there was more. No, I said that's my favourite. That's I favorite? like I like light shows, but that's the one I just think visually looks really good. Okay, Mark. I mean, light tubes are the best. There's no denying that. But I do like a gusset plate because well, they're just sharp and disgusting and cause like instant blood and yeah. like. There's no, there's no better way than to get like good blood in a death match than shoving a gusset plate in someone's head. We should maybe also discuss that since the way you've described that, you're a massive fan of death matches. You're not just a mentalist. Well, they're my favourite. I think death matches are my favourite thing now. And speaking of gusset plates, anything you want to tell anybody? Yeah, um, I've got two sitting in my room that are covered in blood that I bought from an ICW No Holds Barred. Facebook sale. Um, they do get shipped to the UK fine without any problems. Which is very surprising and it makes me question our custom service, to be honest. I tried to get a comic book sent and I got questioned and that's just paper and ink. Yet you're getting a gusset plate covered in someone else's blood which hasn't medically been checked to your house in the middle of nowhere and they're like, any bar? Yeah, pretty much. Fair. Makes no sense. Um, on that topic, then, favorite, you know, favorite sort of deathmatch weapons is, is kind of fair. What what's kind of the craziest deathmatch weapon we've kind of all seen? I think the the go to for me is the um, big Japan knives, the knife board. Oh, that's disgusting! Oh yeah, that one's horrible. Like- Knife boards, like, they're, like, one thing I don't like to see. Like, a bit too far cringy. 
Because, like, you can't... I mean, you can't really control the way a lot of these weapons are going to work, but you definitely can't control how a knife's going to, like, how that's going to work when you just land back first on it. Well, what you want is you want to have something that looks good but doesn't hurt too much. They're obviously all going to hurt. Like, saying they don't hurt is understated, but you want something that at least doesn't, it doesn't cause too much hassle, but I feel like the knife just causes too much hassle. It's not even worth it. But again, there's some weapons that I think are really, really good and they look good, but depending on how they do them. So even talking about ICW, when they did that big pane of glass, which then shattered everywhere, yes. it looked really cool. Looking back now, like that, to think that we were in the crowd and got rained on with glass is mental. But again, that was really cool. But when they tried to do that again a few weeks, well, it was a few weeks, a few months later, but what they did is they got thicker glass, which didn't bend, which just shattered into someone's back. That was then mental. That's where it went too far for me. Of course, it went too far. Like, the guy nearly bled out, but still. That's where there's certain things. But again, I watch death, I watch death matches, but they're not really my favourite thing. So again, sometimes I think the issue, and this is just me, I think the whole thing with death matches, some of them are really, really good and well done. It tells a story, but some of them it's just, they're just hurting each other and there's nothing to it. And I just don't understand that. Well, I enjoy that. I'm just not sadistic like you. What you were saying about like some weapons that like look good but don't hurt much, there's also ones that don't look that great but probably do way more damage. Yeah, like, like the carpet grips. Car- carpet strips, yeah. Yeah. One I've seen lately is, you know like the little like white plastic like flossing things you get? Yeah. They're just like a little sharpish little thing made of plastic. Um, there was a bunch of them on a board and a guy got back dropped onto it but he landed like leg first and it pierced through his thigh Ooh. and then and I mean, it didn't look good it just looked like he landed on a bunch of these yeah. little plastic things you shove between your teeth but pierced his thigh thing is there's some obviously there's some classics which just always look good like thumbtacks always look good like no matter what and no matter how big the death match is a thumbtack always looks good because again you want something I think the best thing is something you know the pain because even then relating yeah. it back is you could have something massive and getting hit with it you don't really know how it feels but when someone gets like a paper cut in a death match or even just a hardcore match you feel that you know what it feels like I think right. that's why personally things like that I think are better I'm still traumatised by the fact that Jimmy Havoc asked me to take a pin out of his chest and I looked him dead in the eyes and told him no get away from me because it freaked me out so then Dan took out for me. Yeah, I mean... That was traumatising. I thought that was quite fun, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that match was that match was wild. Because I stood by That's probably you. my favourite match I've ever seen live, just because it was oh, wild. So good, and yeah, it just, it just looked really good, and it's flowed again. That's what I was saying, like that match, it had like a flow to it, and it felt like it worked, whereas there's other ones that used to make me watch all the time, which just make no sense. The, the Texas See, that, match, that match worked because it built up to like the big spot at the end of the glass. Yeah. Like you see like some matches where they'll have like say four panes of glass in the corners and they just like break them all right at the very start of the match. Uh-huh. And I mean it does get like a bit of a reaction at the start, but then you've still got the rest of the match to go and you'll never get it as high as that start of the match when you break the glass. Well, exactly. That's that's a thing. And again, you get this with all types of matches, not just um like kind of like hardcore and like death matches but I just feel that there's an issue you get people who do it really really well but it seems to be the ones that everyone talks about in most matches you see it's just people just take it too far left and just don't do it right so that's why I'm just it's not that I'm not a fan of that type of wrestling it's just there's a lot of sort of just, just don't really entertain me I get that I mean the, the Texas Death Match Massacre is still one of my favourites oh like, definitely that is by far one of my favourite shows ever Um. Again, when he went under the ring, came back out with a whole child bike. Well, that came out. Well, it's the fact that you didn't see that. So literally, all we saw on the camera was him come out, him get you know powder out the ring, and then the other guy go for a you know suicide dive, only to be met with a bike, a full size bike thrown at him. That was fun, to be honest. Um, But that that show in general was fun, Um, and I I think you know. Death matches are, are just there's something about them. I think it's just the the shock of it. It's like watching a good horror movie sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't watch a horror movie every single day of your life, but you know, they they are good. 
Unless you're Mark, because Mark likes to watch death matches. Oh, oh heavy. Yeah. I don't know how you don't get sick of it. Oh, you can Like, there's always something new. Right. Let's do one last spin. Okay. Of the wheel before we wrap up today's episode. But before we do that, let's take a commercial break. And we're back, and it is time to spin the wheel for one last time this episode. Better be something good. And we're off. Right, let's see what we get from the wheel of topics. (laughs) And uh, it's already been mentioned so far. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk about Jim Cornette. Oh, I think he's probably going to sue us for like mentioning his name on our podcast. So, Mark, you've got an interesting story about Jim Cornette, so I'll let you. I'll let you go first. I don't think I know this. Yeah, I don't know if I know this. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just say you and Jim Cornette have got a, a storied past. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean now. So, I can't even remember how I found this out one time, like. It was before I really got into like listening to his podcast, but like I went to like tweet him one day, or you maybe you mentioned something that he tweeted, and I went to like look it up, and I noticed I'm one of the very many that are blocked by Jim Cornette, <laughs> and I was like, I don't remember ever interacting with Jim Cornette, like I don't know how this has happened, but then Kyle ended up searching my Twitter handle and his Twitter handle together. And it came up with the only interaction that we have had, where <laughs> I believe Kevin Owens had um, tweeted a picture of him with like the NXT title belt, and the Young Bucks with like I don't know like the New Japan or Ring of Honor tag team title belts. And I quote tweeted and replied, "Yeah, suck it, Jim." <laughs> Did you uh, actually put like his Twitter in it or just Jim? Yeah, you, you definitely tagged him in it. You just went, suck it, Jim. Oh, because I was going to say, if you've just put Jim, he's went out his way to find out. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's safe to say, even with that, I think we're, we're, all, we're all quite big fans of Jim currently, aren't we? Well, you should have birthday with him. Even oh, yeah. He's... <sighs> There's just something about him. He's so funny. I mean, I've met him before, and he is genuinely one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Um, didn't know I was meeting him until I walked in the stairs in the House of Blues in Dallas, and he just stood there. So, yeah, we called Jim Cornette. Um, because at that time, I can't remember, I don't know if he still does it, obviously he didn't do this year, but at WrestleMania weekend, um, Jim Ross was doing shows where he wouldn't announce who the guest was. And it'd be like an evening with Jim Ross with some sort of special guest. So he did two shows, one straight after WrestleMania, I'm pretty sure, or one, yeah, either straight after WrestleMania or before WrestleMania, and they did one straight after Monday Night Raw. So Raw finished at like 11, I want to say, or something like that. And the show started at like half midnight, one. So it gave us time to like kind of walk from the arena down there um, and go to it. But we were like, oh, I wonder who it's going to be. It was Jarrett last night, or who could it be? Thinking of all the names who are there. And then, like I said, you come into the House of Blues and you walk down the stairs, and there was Jim Cornette just taking photos of people. I was like, yes, brilliant Jim Cornette. Um, so Maybe you should explain how much of a big fan of Jim Cornette you are. Oh, no, I love Jim Cornette. Like, for years, I think ever since high school, I've been a massive fan of Jim Cornette because me and one of our pals in school used to just watch Jim Cornette shoot interviews and that and just quote them all the time. And that was kind of the, the big thing. Then I found out I shared a birthday with him, which is absolutely amazing. Um, and then, yeah, I just sort of kept up to date with him ever since then. You do also have a Jim Cornette wrestling figure sitting behind you as we speak? I do indeed. That was actually gifted to me for my birthday one year by said friend who we used to listen to Jim Cornette all the time. The big Jim Cornette fan. I am a member of the cult of Cornettism on Facebook. Okay. How how do you feel about Jim Cornette? Oh, I love him. 
anybody who is mildly aggressive is mildly well is right up my street because I too um share the same aggression about a lot of stuff. So I have to respect it. But it's not too. I've got a lot of time for him. Um, I like listening to his podcast as I go to sleep at night. But then you get the problem where sometimes during the night you have these weird dreams and you just wake up to a, a weird old man shouting at you. Um, <laughs> which is never a good way to wake up in the night. But if you take that risk, it's really, really good. I really like his nicknames that he has for people. Yeah. Like most of the AEW. Like um, roster, like we calls um, thingy Harpo. Um, I don't even know why he calls um, <laughs> Kenny Omega Harpo. Um he calls Orange Cassidy pockets. Yep. Because he's always got hands in his pockets. Um, well, so you've got Balding Buck <laughs> is Matt Jackson. Or no, it's Nick Jackson, sorry. Um, he's Balding Buck. Uh, he also calls Kenny Omega Kenny Olivier sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's just got loads of... Oh, he calls Excalibur excrement, which is one of my favourites. <laughs> That's a brilliant one. Uh, but yeah, his nicknames for people are, are quite funny. Um, yeah, I just I just love Jim Cornette to be honest. Well, my favorite my favorite is always going to be the Dairy Queen incident. Oh, that never gets old. No matter how you many times you watch that, that, a lot. To be fair, <laughs> he's like, if we were joking, we wouldn't have ordered it. Yeah, we watched that the other day again. It's Jericho in the background just egging him on. That's what gets yeah. me. He's just going, oh, oh, they've, they've not got, got your order. And Jim's just fuming. It's when he gets out and st- opens the window and sticks his head through and just starts shouting at the woman. <laughs> and the worst is, they sat there and just waited for the food. They still cooked the food. And I was like, there's no way I would then eat food from the people that I've just shouted at for like... They've definitely spat in that food. 100%. 100% as a minimum. Double cheeseburger! <laughs> Double cheeseburger plain! Extra cheese. Extra cheese. Oh, Jim Cornell. That's someone I would love to meet, but since he doesn't like flying, I'll probably never get to meet him. Yeah, yeah. Neither has got his house. (laughs) I know, but I'll just phone up the big angry man and just be like, hey, do you mind if I come to your house? Am I right in saying he likes Dan Housen? Or did I make that up? He he does like Dan Housen. I don't think he's ever actually watched him wrestle a match. But um, they were listening to like all the cameos, and there was like a Dan Housen cameo. And originally he was like, "Why does he talk this way? This is so strange. I don't understand it." Then someone paid for Dan Housen to do a cameo to Jim Cornette, explaining why he talks this way and why his character is like this. And it was like basically he talks like this to stand out so he can make all the money. And then Jim Cornette's like, "Yep, I like it. I like this guy." <laughs> I feel like I don't know he's... if you like ever actually seen him, like seen what he looks like, seen how he wrestles. Yeah, that that is a good but... point. Yeah, because he definitely will not like him once he sees that. Hundred percent. True. But yeah, I mean, much love for Tim Connett here. Um, again, I'll probably never meet him because oh, I never meet him again uh, because he is very stringent about his uh, his COVID, you know, rules. Um, he says he's never going to another convention ever again. So, uh, yeah, chances of meeting him are very, um, very slight. But then again, when money runs out, money runs out. So hey, He sold enough figures that you can't even send them out on time and he has to shout about going to the post office. So I think he's fine. Okay, fair enough. I, I would love to meet him just to apologise for my silly indie ways of thinking years ago. Ask him to unblock you. I, I th- don't think I would go that far. Do you want, I right? feel like he's got too many people blocked. Like, do you know I'm going to do? Never get blocked by Jim Cornette. I'm going to write into the drive-through and just pretend <laughs> to be you. Or actually, I might be. I'll just. I'll be me, right? And I'll just explain that my friend once told you to suck it, um, and he is deeply sorry, and he would like you to unblock him if possible. Um, I myself am a big fan. I would never tell you to suck it, and I'd like to be a character. Witness for Mark in you know our quest to get you unblocked. I think the best thing would be when you do that, he then blocks you for the audacity to ask him to unblock Mark and he's on both screens. Yeah, I'm pretty sure his reply is literally just going to be thank you, fuck you, bye. 100%. Appropriate. 
Well, I think, unless we've got anything else to talk about Jim Cornette, no, that's us. I'm not going to dip back into the wheel. There's plenty of topics in there for next week. Else, else you guys want to touch on before we finish up? Don't think there's been anything exciting. Else it's happened. Perfect. As always, if you can, you know, do whatever you need to do on Spotify, follow our podcast, KK Wrestle Factory. We are on iTunes and all other podcast providers. Um, so if you can, you know, do the best thing and give us, you know, the ratings and all that stuff that you do with podcasts, eventually I'll figure out what podcasts are like and what we actually do with them, and I can tell you what to do properly. But for now, do all the good stuff. Um, and if you can follow us over on Twitter at KK WrestlePod, follow us on our socials, Kyle What UK at Kayleigh Laugh, yep, and at Mark Me at six ninety one. It's actually Mark Meet X. Okay. <laughs> and on that note, thank you very much for listening, and we will see you guys next week. Bye.